What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Martin, with another episode of Intuitive Minds Podcast. And today's guest, we have a legend, a performance coach, KJ Rose, a.k.a. the Talent Whisperer. How are you, KJ? I am wonderful. How are you? Good, good. Hanging in there. You know, it's uh, Europe, I'm in Europe right now, so it's a little late here. But I'm, you know, good day so far. How about you? How's your day going so far? day is going great it started off you know just a little you know awful well awful is not a good word but i didn't i didn't choose my my times wisely in terms of mm-hmm. how i set up my my mm-hmm. day and i i was over ambitious of that you know kind of yeah, like, was yeah. like it happens I've, I've <laughs> I've yeah, yeah. yeah it happens yeah 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 but um yeah so where did, who who is kj rose you know growing up in chicago give us that backstory and everything Yes. So KJ, Kiana is what my mom named me. Kiana mm. Rose is my middle name and Henson um, mm. is my last name. But grew up on the south side of Chicago and then we moved to uh, the Burbs, Flossmore, um, after or during my high school um, years. And so I am a, a, an amalgamation of, of this city girl um, and this girl that, that got um a bit of access to what suburbia was mm-hmm. like as well um but i am just grateful as much as i fought my mom about it like i'm grateful because i have really great friends that feel like a, more family than anything um from just having these two worlds um i started as as much as i loved music i was really great and well versed in anything that involved a chorale whether that was a, a choir or a cheerleading team or a pom-pom mm-hmm. team, um, uh, I was great. I excelled. But when it came to a speaking engagement or a solo, my mm-hmm. body would have a visceral reaction. Um, and I had such stage fright, but I always found a way to combat that, you know, and, and for me early on, I realized that that would come with repetition. You know, the more I did it, it didn't mean that the nerves went away, but the more I felt prepared helped to navigate and to more, I guess, more so embrace kind of, uh, the nerves as excitement for a new opportunity than nerves of I'm not good enough. You know, why Mm -hmm. am I here? So um, from Chicago, I went to school. I went to FAMU in Tallahassee, Florida, where my um, degree was in business administration. Um, I pledged Delta Sigma Theta. And for a lot of our events, nice. you know, we would need performers. And so mm-hmm. they would say, well, we need a singer. And I was like, well, let me get it for you. Um, and I think in my mind at the time, I could not um, resolve that just because I'm, I or, you know, two of us out of our friend group um, would be classified as the better singers of the group. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean that I was supposed to have a career. It just meant that, you know, they wouldn't burst out in song. Maybe I right. would. Right. Um, but I still would never put myself up for the um, the opportunity to sing a solo. I would never think mm-hmm. of myself first. I was always, you know, kind of thinking of others. And they said, no, nope, you're going to be the singer. And so nice. I would say they were the first to, to give me um, that kind of push to say that I can, I can, I can do this. And so um, from there, I moved to New York. Um, I started working for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals by day. And by night I was singing somewhere at some open mic with Carl Thomas or mm-hmm. um, in a studio working on my, my project. And, um, and so I remember, you know, in fact, my earlier songs were with um, a very notable producer named Kayama Griffin. Um, and he was the first producer to ever um, put me in the studio. And so I think that I, I realized very early that the more you can see yourself um, in the space that you desire. So whether that is getting in the studio to complete a song, whether that is um, starting on a book and then kind of printing out the rough draft Mm -hmm. so that you can see this tangible thing that begins to give you life, right? Because we can have a desire for something, but we haven't yet planted the seeds to get to that Mm -hmm. something. And it's easy to talk yourselves out of it when you don't have um, a tangible kind of, of, 
of documentation that says you're you're good enough to do this thing. So once I I did the song, I was like, okay, maybe I do have something. And I remember um, uh, one day being at Macy's at like seven o'clock at night. And I think I was traveling the next morning and got a call from a friend, Eric Payton, that said he wanted me to come to the studio. He didn't really tell me who was there. They always um, do that. They always do it. And when yeah. you get to the studio, it's like this big fucking person. Yeah. yeah sorry to curse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and when I got there, Kelly Price was there and we never mm-hmm. talked about music. Um, I think, or let me just say, she never heard me sing. Mm-hmm. I think in that moment, it, it showed me what showing up can do and and really what being yourself can do for you. Um, because a week later, uh, she asked if I wanted to go on tour with Puffy. And so, you know, having not heard me sing, but I think my 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 zest for what I did, my commitment um, gave her enough confidence to believe in me. And um, and so I am forever indebted to her and Carl Thomas um, and another of those showing up moments um, that have proven to to have more wins than not was um, a moment where I was in Brooklyn and I got a call maybe about 11 p.m. from my manager at the time, uh, Dave Nelson, David Erskine, Isaac. Um, and so they were like, OK, you know, Tony Dofat needs you in the studio. And I was just like, OK, you know, I, and I think. As new artists, like we forget that that hunger will get you more wins than the expectation or the, right. the, the, the thought that somebody owes you anything, right? The entitlement of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Why would somebody call me at 11 p.m.? I'm better than this. How can I, you know, <laughs> do they, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, I realized they weren't looking for me per se. They just needed a singer. Mm-hmm. Right. But I knew that if you called me, there was no way that God was going to make it so that you were just looking for a regular singer. I knew that I was going in because I was called for that mm-hmm. thing, even before they knew. When I got there, it was heavy D. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Lord, OK, here we go. And again, I said, you know, the repetition, again, of everything that you've done thus far, you put in, you planted the seeds, you put in the work. Um, the effort has been made. Now this is your time to make it count. You've showed up, mm-hmm. you know, and it ended up being um, the single for his album, Waterbed Have. Um, it was a song called Big Daddy. And Dio Blyton was the executive on that. And and I don't think that they had any um, idea that that would be his first single until after we were complete. And that started, um, that was the beginning of, of, of my career. And hearing myself on the radio. There's something that happens when you hear yourself on the radio um, that makes it real. And I was with yeah. my sorority, uh, Indy Brown, and we were together riding down the West Side Highway when it came on. And, you know, it, it was just that defining moment that said, you have something. You know, if you continue to put in the work, continue to be persistent um, and not walk through this thing like somebody owes you anything Mm -hmm. um but just knowing that the more work you that you put in you will one day prevail that's crazy so you pretty much the golden age of hip-hop that's where you pretty much even though i was only 15 i was 15 yeah i I was a young lad right i mean so but so was foxy brown you know what i mean she was 15 so You know, that's my Love favorite fem- that's my favorite female MC. So when people ask me, like, yes. who's your favorite? They're like, oh, they're like, it's not little Kim. I'm like, nah, nah, it's it's Foxy Brown. Like her demeanor was just especially when she did like the count the math on one of the Nazi songs. I forgot what it was. It was the firm album. She started doing like the calculations on the math. I was like, what the f- she's fire, like whatever. And then we okay. move another. So yeah. So then, but then you just, you just, you just reminded me of a story that uh, Jimmy Iveen was accidentally called to engineer a track because the original engineer was not there. He was sick. He walks into the studio and it's Bruce Springsteen. And that's what started his jump off. So it's like yeah. these, these accidents sometimes are just like, who, what? Very divine. Mm-hmm. They're never, yep. They're, they're mm-hmm. always, um, 
I always say no coincidences. Yeah. You know, divine and it requires you, you know, number one, to be in the headspace of knowing that you deserve to be there that, Mm -hmm. you know, because he could have very much shrinked, you know, and and I could have shrinked when I saw it was heavy D and um, and I think that it is the work that nobody sees Mm -hmm. that prepares you for the moments that are visible. Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, I think he worked on the first album with Bruce Springsteen and they used to butt heads because they were both perfectionists, which is why I think him and Dr. Dre work perfectly, you know, Jimmy, I mean, and because they're both perfectionists. So that's, 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 and then also it reminded me of Bone Thugs and Harmony with the Thuggish Ruggish Bone. Sorry, the, the yeah. keeps the thuggish ruggish okay. bone track. That girl that was singing, she by accidentally was walking and they went downstairs to smoke cigarette. And then the girl was like, Hey, I can sing. Okay, well, sing this. Things sing thuggish ruggish bone. And then she sang. And then they brought her upstairs and then boom. Easy. Wow. Like, Easy was like, Who's this girl? And yeah. like, you gotta hear her, bro. And then boom, there you go. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. So I love hearing stories like that. So now you're gonna make me go back and like find where you were in these tracks. And I'm just like, Come on, go back. How did I miss this? And I love going back because I've watched so much hip hop documentaries, whether it's beef one, two, three, whether it was like so many, it's so I love it. I just love the history of it. And yeah. LL Cool J was the one that gave me style. El Kooji was the one that made me put the one leg up and then go to school. And then like, I used to wear FUBU and people were like, you're not supposed to wear FUBU. I was like, I don't give a, I don't care. I love this brand. I love a Nietzsche. I love, you know what I mean? Cause, cause okay. I, came to, I came to America when I was 10, but this was in 2000. 2000 was, and Nietzsche was big. Dada was big, you know, FUBU was big. So it was like, all of these brands were like Mecca Echo, all of the, I used to just rock it. And I introduced Shine to my middle school, the rapper Shine. I introduced them. I was like, yo, who is So they're like, yo, who is this all? This is Shine, but you're not going to understand him because he talked about like cocaine. He talked about that. So, you know, as a 15, as a 10 year old, 11 year old, you're not really going to concept all that, but it's just the history of it. I love it. You know, there's so, so many various to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then now you're going to make me go back and even go to life after death. It's like, wait a minute, how did I I'm gonna tell you where you need to go. You need to go life after after death. I did another song with Tony Doe Fat on AZ's album. I love it. Uh, Bet you don't know. Bet you don't know what's going on. The, the, no dun, dun, dun. If you don't know, we're gonna show you. That's Ooh. crazy. And then we did, I did um uh Dead Press, Bay Schools. Um, I did um a common enjoy yourself. Yeah, I did a um a remix with Common, but it never came out. And, yeah, but anyway, yeah. yeah, we did have that time, and you know, always family, um, Common, and That's... so yeah, I feel like I started in in hip hop, and you know, when I think about the open mics, when I think about like my training ground, you know, mm-hmm. it was um. Uh, it was Ron um, in the open mics. It was Carl pushing me to get on stage, you know, because I would only do like an Anita Baker song, you know, and yeah. I, I felt like I over my um, my range. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, all those moments, I I tried to fight and find ways to combat um, this debilitating stage fright that I had um, being on uh, front and center. So I think, you know, being behind Diddy and doing the No Way Out tour and right. having the opportunity to go on the road for months with Carl Thomas and then Britney Spears and um, doing spot days with Justin Timberlake and, and a promo tour with Janet Jackson, that was my training ground so that, you know, I I got to a point where I said, okay, I've given energy and I've given a level of confidence to these artists that now I should serve myself and give it back mm-hmm. uh, to the work that I, I need to do. And so I think uh, what happens is sometimes we stay in spaces long after the lesson has been gotten and long after, you know, it is clear that, you know, it's time to move. The assignment has shifted. Right. Um, and, you know, and so then we find ourselves in our comfort zone. You know, so it's like after you've stretched, it's time to move to the next right. lesson, the next um, um, opportunity for you. But I think yeah. 
get, you know, call your work becomes predicated on when someone else works. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that that wasn't my story, you know, but as a, as a background singer at the time, um, you don't necessarily get paid for working on your own stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So it's hard. It's not as appealing to say, I'm going to leave the road and now I'm going to work on my own album. I just knew that I, I owed it to myself to at least try. Yeah, yeah, because you you also recorded your own album at some point too. I did. It was called yeah. All Heart No Regrets, and mm-hmm. you know, it was. I had artists, um, I had performers. I'm sorry, producers from Chicago, um, Andy C, Extreme, No ID, um, my brother, uh, yeah, Terry Hunter, um, and um, yeah, Dwayne Bastiani. Um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing, very fortunate. Uh, like you, you have like very, a, very, yeah, surrounded, yeah, you surrounded yourself with yep. legends right off top. So it's like your learning curve was at a teenage and that's something very, those are very impressionable ages. Like the team. Yep. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, um, I think part of the push to at least put an album out, I'll never forget. I was working for Clive Davis. I was his assistant at one point, mm-hmm. uh, uh, such, you know, I don't know how I got there, but, um, oh, I do. I came off the road, uh, with Janet Jackson and I, um, started working at J records as the nighttime receptionist. Um, uh, my sister CJ at the time was there and, and, um, and a huge influence on my music career and, um, and so I was working really from like four to nine, right? Four to nine, I think. And, um, you know, just imagine watching like Swizz come through the, the door, you know, um, uh, Alicia Keys and Mario mm-hmm. and Tyrese and Jennifer Hudson and Carlos Santana and, you know, Aretha. And, you know, so I'm like watching this. And at any point, I just want to like break out in song like, hey, guys, look at what I can do, you know? And mm-hmm. I was just like, OK. This is these are are things you're supposed to just kind of take in and let it fire you up. And so maybe a couple of months after I started, they said, could you work for Mr. Davis? And at first I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah, it's overwhelming. (laughs) That's a whole you want me to work every day, like from morning to night. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, you'd be his nighttime receptionist. I mean, his nighttime assistant. And and. I um I thought about it and my sister CJ, you know, helped me get to a point where I understood that no matter what I decided to do in this industry, the lessons and the information I would get from him would be invaluable, you know. And so I became his assistant and I never told him that I sang because I just thought it would be so trite to have your assistant singing. However, I said that for every, you know, a glass of tea that I poured or apple that I cut, I was going to push myself to ask him a question. Mm-hmm. No matter how awkward it felt, I was just going to say, so why did you choose that as the single? And, you know, because that was, I wanted to win too. I wanted to feel like I wasn't being um, less of myself right, uh, exactly. as a singer that I know I am. And, and you know, in, in serving him, I wanted to make sure that we both could win, that it was this, this even exchange as much as it could be even, you know? And so, um, you know, I can't, I have to go back and say that I can't not tell my story without talking about big John, um, John Platt, let me say not big John, John Platt, who, um, yeah, he's a a big executive. Um, and so I want to respect him with his full name. Um, but I met him, at um, my good friend in Soror's graduation, he came to visit her. This was when he was working at EMI. And all of my friends said, you know, uh, well, John is in the music industry. And, you know, I wasn't yet ready to, to declare myself the singer. Um, and they were like, um, well, you know, you need to sing for him. And I was like, I'm not a clown. I don't just start singing for people. Right. And yeah. he was like, well, I'm leaving town tomorrow. I was like, and I am town. And I just broke out in song. And he was the one that placed me with my first managers. And he was the one that believed, you know, um, you know, of course, in addition to my brother and um, my young sister and my god sister. Um, but in terms of the executive um, after CJ, it was it was John Platt. And so mm. I just saw him yesterday. I uh, met with him yesterday, which is why it's so like 
um, relevant now, but yeah, yeah, it's very fresh. Um, so when I talk about being with Clive Davis and like all of these luminaries in the industry, like I, I was fortunate, you know, I felt like God was saying, I am giving you all the tools you need. The only thing that's missing is your belief. You took a leap of faith for everything. It was a leap of faith for everything. Yeah. Cause even when I was working for, so after the tour with, with, um, uh, Diddy, I went back to, to Pfizer and I worked almost another two years because my belief and my confidence was still at the infant stage, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I did that. Oh, I'm safe. I still got a job. Okay, let me go back to the job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and as I, I remember going to um, a music conference in Palm Springs with my sister, CJ, but I was living in New York at the time. And, um, and I was so inspired Mm -hmm. um at the time i think columbia records had just signed mary mary and they were singing you know shackles Mm -hmm. and when i think full circle moment i just had a chance to work with erica campbell um on her video positive yeah right and so and then just kind of the the whole team um yeah so that's been you're yeah. you're like making me tear because it's like one of those like oh so much yeah that's yeah. so yeah wow like you covered so many talking points and just I, one. I know I was everywhere I'm sorry but that's <laughs> awesome though because we're gonna go back a little bit to the yeah. the notorious B.I.G. and the dead president the common and ex- like what was your favorite moment out of all of these sessions like do you have a favorite session that you were still like wow like um, well, you know, the irony was that, you know, let me say shout out to Derek Angeletti, D-Dot. D-Dot is that's, amazing. That's who called me for this. And unfortunately, when I did it, Big wasn't in the studio. Um, and oh, so okay. I just treasure having the moment mm-hmm. to be a part of of his spirit and a part of um, his ingenuity and his creativity. Um, and so, you know, that's, if, if there are regrets to be had, you know, I wish that I had a, had a chance to meet him. Um, but to know that he heard my voice on his album, um, is special, you know, Mm -hmm. to me and even more, um, uh, ironic is that I just got my multi-platinum plaque um, for being on life after death. Like I got it two weeks ago. And so as we talk about, you know, big as, you know, we approach his birthday on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I am, um, I am forever indebted to, uh, Derek Angeletti, you know, because when I think about that day, I was working, I was at my desk at Pfizer in corporate compensation, running numbers in my, my, attire which is business casual mm-hmm. you know um and i got on the shuttle because uh pfizer was on 42nd street and i took it over it's on the east side like between second and third and i took it over to uh daddy's house yeah and yeah i just went in and did work i didn't even know that i was part of such a monumental moment um i think you know my humility and you know, my, um, you know, a little bit of it is, is I hadn't yet given myself permission, um, to know that I was worthy of such a huge moment. Right. so, yeah. And so when I think of that, um, I am, it brings me to just, you know, tears because, um, now I get to celebrate, you know. With a, with yeah, yeah. And you have the plaque and it's, it's, and there's so much, so many different stories about that album. Like Biggie yeah. originally, originally didn't like the hypnotized beat. Mm-hmm. He didn't like it, but he was so high one day with D-Dot. And yeah. then he was like, Biggie, 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 can't you see? And then it's just like, Okay, I like it. Because the thing about Biggie yeah. was that he would go in the studio, hear a beat, and then he would leave. Months later, 
he would come in. Hey, do you have that beat from a month ago or whatever? And they're like, yeah, I lived a little bit of life. So let me get in the studio really quick and just do this. So <laughs> I lived a little bit of life. Isn't that just so yeah, profound? Yeah. So, but it's, it's just, and then D dot just like, he worked with big and so many different, so many different, like songs and it's which song uh-huh. did you which, which for the people that don't know which song were you on on life after death play a hater mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and another you've been mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and another another fun fact about play a hater is that diddy was high that day i think huh? he yeah i think he was i think oh because he's like you are now yeah yeah, Diddy was there. I don't Apparently, think I knew that. Yeah, he was high that day. Yeah, it was one of those. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently he was high that day. So that's that's how I, uh, yeah. Again, like these, I just love the whole, I don't know what it is. I fell in love with it. Like the stories, the, it's just something about hip hop. It's, it's its own culture and it, yep. it, it's just, I don't know. I love it. I love it. And people are like, well, don't you like rock? Don't you like this? I'm like, <laughs> Well, that doesn't yeah. matter like you know what i mean i gravitated towards towards lyrics and then you mentioned az yeah. he's like yeah. my top 10 mc you know what I mean? my favorite song from him is the format it's the format you know what i mean and it's yeah. just hey wow nostalgia is like kicking in yeah. from all of these you know, for sure yeah yeah and then, and then you mentioned clive davis and i think one fun fact about clive davis and diddy i think wasn't i think clive davis gave did he 50 million or something like that to start bad boy or something like that? I'm not too sure though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could be I wrong. I so, I but, but yeah, um, uh, bad boy was part of Arista initially. Yeah. So, so Diddy was kind of forced to like, yo, this is Clive Davis money. I got to do something. And then it's, it's like Mary J. Blige, D- uh, Biggie, you know, and then one twelve, and then Mace and, yeah, I mean that's that's wow. So yeah. many. What's something you learned from Clive Davis that you still apply today? I have learned to never get comfortable in your past laurels. Never rely on what you did yesterday because it's over. You know, when I see that an artist has gotten to number one, he didn't stop and wasn't satisfied with just. Number one. Now we want to make sure that they remain at number one. Like the persistence that he had, um, the fact that he was he called everybody back. Um, he, you know, and I could I saw firsthand because I was taking a lot of the calls, the people that stood out for them, for him. You know, it's a, a healthy persistence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um my time with him in terms of collecting the data on how to best navigate the industry was never getting comfortable with what you did yesterday. Always reinventing, always thinking of, mm-hmm. you know, what can I do better the next time? What can I do better tomorrow? You know, how can I get better? So I think that mindset is something that I've uh, tried to adopt um, in my career as well. Yeah, and I want to think about you is your energy. Where does that come from? Because you no, I think I was born with it. I mean, you know, I don't think that I wake up with it. I think, you know, I don't, I wouldn't classify myself as like the most energetic morning person. <laughs> um, energy stems from um, me dwelling and celebrating the best parts of myself. That's where my confidence comes from. I think we can all find things that we love to improve upon that we'd like to edify. But if we just really took a moment to say, you know what, I'm pretty dope, you know? And and I learned very early that my force was energy, right? And so I didn't always understand how I showed up, you know, to others, right? Most times how they would interpret it and almost, you know, spit back at me was, why are you doing so much? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take all of that. You know, why are you so loud? you know, calm down, you know, and all those things, <laughs> if you're not combating it, 
with something that is that is empowering or emboldening to yourself, then you will internalize that and become less than what you were created to be. And once I realized that energy was not only my force, but my service, mm-hmm. then I, I started thinking differently. I started saying, you know, well, let me see who that's coming from. All right. You know, because I think you could pull up, you know, in your own life, but that's fine. You know, and I just started giving it more perspective as opposed to and, and creating an armor um, within me that did not allow everybody else's um, thoughts of themselves mm-hmm. that are truly just being projected to penetrate my spirit. Right. You know, exactly. and it's yeah. like, and my prayer is always, Lord, you know, keep me centered, keep me steadfast. I only want the things that you think about me to really take up space, not what other people think. That's crazy. Cause I remember you did one of the seminars and I was a part of that. And it was mm-hmm. like one in the morning here. And literally oh. after after <laughs> you were done, I literally stayed up till like four or five in the morning. I was like, I'm awake yes. now. Like, and I started like, well, I started watching a TV show and I was like, I started as I was like, I need to go to bed. Like I need, but I was just like, um, up. Like I, I grabbed the coffee. I was like, all right, let's see what KJ is about. <laughs> and then it was like, the first thing you said was hype yourself up. And I was like, cause you are more than enough. Hey, so it's, so yeah, I was like up for another four or five. My brother was like, yo, are you, are you still awake? I'm like, yeah, bro. Like I'm hyped. Cause he came in yeah. when you were doing your session and I was like, shh, shh. <laughs> do not ruin this for me and he was like dude right. go to bed i was like i'm not going to bed like this is so right it, it, it was just amazing yeah yeah so i loved your your, your energy is amazing like we need more people like you especially in the entertainment business you know what i mean it, people need to be more energetic they need to be more because i feel like the consumption of the entertainment kind of makes people depressing mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you're doing so much and that's why all these acts to drugs and they, they consume all these this this negative stuff and then it's like that's because there's so much into it you know what i mean the loneliness yeah. the, the it's just so much you know what i mean so for you to keep yourself yeah. grounded with just life like you it's like, like you're high on life yeah yeah I, I think it's you know identifying those things that bring me joy you know it's definitely my family mm-hmm. um i love seeing artists change their perspective for the better about themselves. Mm-hmm. I love helping them to access parts of them that have, that have always been there, but they just didn't know how to get to, you know, to get to their sweet spot. Um, that brings me joy. Um, and so, yeah, I think for artists, a lot of times nowadays, they're going from obscurity to notoriety in such an accelerated pace mm-hmm. that, you know, you can't, um, you can't escape kind of having the points of progression that naturally right. come with building a career over time. Mm-hmm. And so they end up working themselves backwards. And I think mentally and emotionally, if you're not prepared or if you don't have the right people around you or the tools um, to access, to give you a, a groundedness that is required for everything else to grow, then it's really tough. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you find yourself doing other things. Like, you know, me originally, I started off as an actor. And then from an actor, I became a music producer. And then from a music producer, I became a photographer. And then I got oh, stuck okay. with, I, I got stuck with photography. And then yeah. I did it for five years. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, oh, yeah. crap. Like, yeah. what am I going to do now? How am I going to yeah. communicate with people? How am I going to stay in touch? Let me start a podcast. So yeah, start to reinvent yourself. So as long yeah. as you're not, com- but it's that level of uncomfortability of like, I'm, I'm uncomfortable right now. So I'm just going to do something. I don't, I have no journalism background, but I was like, you know what? Let me, let me try this. Let me do this. And like the first yeah. episodes, the first episodes are like rough around the edges. But as, as I got better, I was like, you know, you know what helps do this research research these people like do so much research that you just drain yourself out you know what i mean you already love doing research some yeah and then the idea was like so what is the point of your podcast people behind the scenes 
they get to share their stories because I don't feel like there's not enough uh, outlets out there for people that work behind the scenes and they make, they make, they make everything work. It's like a clock. A clock doesn't work with the, with, without anything behind it. Yeah. Agreed. So, so it's like, but with that said, you switched up to uh, becoming a performance coach. Uh, Yeah. Why did you decide that? I don't think it was like this um, um, conscious. Well, no, no, it was conscious, but it wasn't like, I'm going to do this instead of that. You Mm -hmm. know, it was, I had been um, on my journey as an artist for many, many years. And it took me some time before I remember Rhymefest calling over to um, uh, Clive's office and us talking for a second and him telling me or saying, when are you going to put your album out? And I was like, oh, no, it's got to be perfect. It's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. And he was like, but you're only as perfect as, as this moment. And I, you know, and that really convicted me in a way. And he was just like, you can't get to a second album if you have a first album. And I was like, huh. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I then decided, okay, you're waiting on everybody else to declare that you're this great singer by giving you a record deal. Um, but it's time for you to declare it yourself. And if you're a singer, then sing. If you're a writer, then write. Right, you know, right. people will find you when you begin becoming a master at your art, at being you, you know, um, because nobody really wants to to do the heavy lifting of you. You know, like mm-hmm. that is exhausting. They want to know that you've done the work of being who you are, of of accessing the best part to you, of, of your art. Um, and then they'll carry out their part, but nobody wants to do that heavy lifting of helping you to become more of you in the moment. Like you've got to have that level of confidence. Exactly. And so yeah. when I was at Jay, I remember uh, Carolyn Williams from marketing saying, Hey, we have this artist that um, we believe um, has great potential, but we just want to um, enhance his performance. And so I was doing that. Of course, you know, when the call came through, I was hoping it was because they loved my music, but it was not about the music. It was about my performance. And so Mm -hmm. I had to make, you know, a decision because my first thought was like, well, no, I'm not going to do that because I want to be taken seriously as this artist. And I was like, but why do you have to be this or that? You know, this Mm -hmm. is just part of your story. You know, this is the natural progression you have you have seen so much. You have been a singer for all of these artists. Now it's taking all of that up and pouring in to other people and, and watching them grow and seeing them take a different um, uh, visual on or themselves and, and perspective on on how they see themselves as artists. And so um, that's what started the performance uh, direction uh, company of the Rose Effect. And yeah. so it, um, and so I still call myself an artist. You're an artist, right? So wherever you occupy space, wherever you spend your time, that is your stage. This is mm-hmm. your stage. Mm-hmm. That is an art, you know? So I, I believe that we are all artists. We all have something to offer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so where I was the vocal performer, um, an artist, then now I'm the performance director and artist now. Mm-hmm. How much of that, like, do you apply like the vocal part of it to this? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it, co- it coincides together a lot. Well, had it not been for my vocal career, um, there are nuances that come with being an artist that you cannot read about, mm-hmm. right? You don't know the feeling of singing in front of thousands, in front of millions, you know, at Wembley Arena, you know, at, um, you know, SNL, if you've not done it. I can't equip you. I can't advise you if I've not had those experiences. I know what it feels like to be in a booth and everybody looking at you and, 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 you know, you've got to kind of quickly, you know, assess like how you want to deliver this song and go through your creative process while everyone is looking. And, you know, then some days you feel like it's, it's more of a lift than you anticipated. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it is not only do I have a methodology um, for performing, I have the savvy and I have the experience 
to uh, help you when you're just from a heart perspective, Mm -hmm. not feeling great about what you're doing, you know? So it's, it's, it's my experience that lends itself to um, helping artists to see themselves. Mm -hmm. It's my vulnerability that helps to activate sometimes their vulnerability. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So have you found yourself with like an artist that's like, they were in a shell, but then you kind of just took them out. Like, do you find yourself with that doing that a lot with other artists or is it like? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes, you know, they find themselves artists, you know, find themselves in positions that maybe they didn't envision. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's happened. They are here, you know, and it is my job to help them get to a point where they start giving themselves permission to Mm -hmm. abide in that space, you know, to embody every part of the word artist, you know, to know that their art is necessary, Mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like I've had the opportunity to work with many artists um, uh, in that capacity. Now, the next question is, if your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? If my life had a soundtrack, mm-hmm. um, I would start with um, uh, I would start with Womack and Womack. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I don't believe in magic, mm. right? I, I don't believe in magic. Don't go pulling, Baba. No rabbits out your hat. That's mm-hmm. my song. Okay, the next song would be like, um, uh, I won't be neglected and I won't be denied. That's been so long, Anita Baker. My next song would be, um, uh, uh, anything by Mary. Um, 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 what's my favorite? That's like me uh, with Alicia Keys. Yeah. Huh? That's like me with I Alicia say, Keys. Yeah. yeah. I share my world. Don't you leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, that, but I don't know if I can do three. Okay, those, that's my three. Um, yeah, but then it's it's gonna rain, you know, by Shaka, you know, <sighs> and then um, and then by by Jackson Five. Um, feel it, boom, 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 feel it, boom, boom, can you feel it? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Can you feel it, boom, boom? I mean, I will leap across a dance floor if somebody played that, boom, 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 boom. I mean, yeah. Yeah. uh, What are some hobbies you like to do? I mean, because you seem like a very busy person. So outside of everything, you, what are some hobbies? Hobbies. I do love um, any D nice concert or mm. any place he's sitting. Um, I love music concerts. Um, I love the sport of eating crab legs. Nice. Um, okay. I love, <laughs> it's okay. a sport to me. Um, uh, hobbies, hobbies. Um, I don't know. I don't know if. Yeah, I was going to say it's like your hobby is pretty much what you do. Like, it's like, I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like hobbies. I think, I think her career is her hobby. And hiking, I do. And you hiking. know, hiking. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, I won't say I enjoy that, but it's necessary. Necessary. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. Especially living in LA, hiking is very important. Like I love taking yeah. the Fryman. I love doing the Roll yeah. Canyon. I love doing all that, yeah. the wisdom tree, all of that jazz, the Hollywood, yeah. all of that. Yeah. It's important. It's important to, especially for creative people, it's important to go outside and breathe and and and, and take yeah. everything that you worked for. And it's like, okay, now I can go back inside and yes. replan everything, you know? Because yeah. I, exactly. I, used to live, I used to live in New York and New York is very... You don't boom, 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 boom. you don't have time to yep. think. You don't have time to breathe. So you kind of find yourself exhausted by doing so many things. LA gives you that balance. For me, it was like yep. it gave me that balance of like, okay, whew, I can breathe now. Yeah. Me, which, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's crazy. Now, the rose effect, you also wrote a book called that. Expound yep. a little bit on that. The rose effect. Yep. Eight steps to delivering the performance of your life. 
Um, it was my offering. Um, so people didn't have to reinvent the wheel um, of me sharing stories uh, of my matriculation through the music industry. And so, um, it, but not just sharing those stories, but sharing my lessons and then offering actionable things that people could do um, to kind of find find wins and victory on their own. And so I just wanted to somehow, you know, give back to artists um, that may just be starting off, that may have encountered some of the defeats and help them see that on the other side of your defeat is probably the real blessing and opportunity that's waiting for you. And if you change uh, the thinking on, on um, feeling that that is a loss as opposed to a necessary experience, um, then you won't dwell so much on that. You'll recover quicker and you'll be ready for that next opportunity that's waiting for you. Um, it probably took me about two years to, to stop sunning myself of saying, oh, you're just a coach. You know, you're not, you're not an author, like just stay mm-hmm. in your lane. Um, and I think that <clears throat> I would say that because I didn't, I just didn't deem myself to be an author, nor did I think the work that I did with artists in studio, person to person would translate to pages. Um, and so the first installment of the book really was um, called The Rose Effect, A Guide to Delivering the Performance of Your Life, because I felt like that was my soft way of offering, you know, this this body of work, as opposed to jumping totally in with declaring these eight steps will push you beyond your perceived capacity, you know? And so some friends challenged me on that, my friends Shock and Adrian, to, um, to think a little bit more of the work that I've done um, and, and saying and declaring that these eight steps will shift you at the end of this book, Um, you know? And so for the longest time, like this did not come about because I said, Oh my God, I have so much to give. Let me, Mm -hmm. um, you know, become this author. It had everything to do with the fact that I was traveling globally and I was doing workshops, but I couldn't leave the students with anything tangible to continue to grow. Right. I was yeah. saying, I hope it all works out for you. See you the next time. But I wanted to leave them with something. And I felt like, you know, it disappointed me that I left and there was no through line of how mm-hmm. they could continue the work. And so I forced myself, you know, to push through my own limitations um, of, of kind of boxing in myself and said, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. <clears throat> if one person is changed by reading this, then I've already won. That's great. Again, that goes back to uncomfortability. You got uncomfortable. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I'm going to write a book. But yeah. it's going to be. It was very, it's, it's the discomfort that gets you closer to um, mm-hmm. the golden moments of your life. The mm-hmm. gems that exist. You know, it's the mining of of the assets that already exist and it's it's going to be your discomfort it's the pressure that you put you know on yourself to to um really show up for you mm-hmm. and never think you know too much like i always go back to the biggie line where he said treat everything like an internship mm. always always be willing to learn it doesn't matter like and my dad used to tell me that hey when you go to a job interview don't talk so much don't act like you know everything just listen yeah. to what they have to offer. And if you vibe with it, go with it. If they ask a question that's needed, like that, that, you, that you have to answer, that you need to know, then yes. But don't go jump in the gun and because then you're going to find just, oh, he's a know-it-all. We don't need him in our team. Yep. yep. So Agreed. always, always uh, pretend to be dumb, but you're not dumb. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like yep. that'll, the, uh, the smartest thing a person could do is play dumb. Because they can learn so much from it. Yeah. You know, sit yeah. there and quiet. Is there so many people that are just like talk, 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 talk? And then when they get asked a question, they're just like, wait, what? It's like exactly. Yep. Sit down, be quiet, and just take everything in and go from there. And then yep. with that said, you've actually lived a, a beautiful life, you know, going through so many different legends, and obviously you've picked up so much. But for yep. you, what is the best advice you have to give to those that are coming up? 
the best advice, um, I've always believed in three things, um, which is to show up because nobody can ever show up for you mm-hmm. and no one can ever show up like you. You know, most of my opportunities didn't come because people are like, oh, my God, KJ, you have all this talent. We need you. Most often it was how do we get her off the call sheet? How do we stop her from calling? You know, and mm-hmm. I knew that the persistence, the tenacity was going to work in my favor because I don't care if you declare that you are the best. What I do know is that you won't you won't outwork me. And I think, you know, when you believe that, you know, there's no more information to gain, there's no new you you're not in an internship mindset, then you think you got it all. So mm-hmm. you may not work as hard. Um, and so yes, to show up, the next um piece of advice would be to embrace your force. Your force. What are those um things about you uh that you were born and qualified to do long before um you uh even knew that that part of you existed, you know, your force is that thing that's innate for you. Uh, your force can be kindness. Your force can be connectivity, but know what it is because it will be that kind of navigator for you that will um, give you clarity every step of the way. Um, and, you know, lastly, I would say seize your power. Your power is in your story. Mm-hmm. You know, tell your story in such an explicit and compelling way that nobody can hijack it, mm-hmm. that it is meant to be a blessing to those that are connected to the way you tell your story. Because the minute that you try to um, compare yourself or adjust your story based on someone else's, then it thwarts the entire divine mm-hmm. plan, I believe, that um, has already been set in place. So it's knowing your story and and, and resolving the internal uh, narrative reconciling mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. unhealed places so that your external expression is honest and truly you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you were doing uh, the seminar, you said something about, okay, what is your name? And what is your name? Now take your name and each letter, what does each letter mean to you? And that's your story. Mm-hmm. So in a way, and I was like, Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. then you started pick pointing. And so it's amazing that to put it in that perspective, I was like, huh, what does my name mean? Like, what is, what does each letter stand for? Yeah, and you can do that. And I, I think when I had done it before, I, I was giving the word power, you know, it's it, the acronym, you know, of power, you know, the persistence, the occupying your space, the, um, the, the, the will for having a, a strong will to mm-hmm. know that you deserve to be in this space, you know, empowering yourself and then being relentless, you know? So it's, it's creating a, a power chant for you that countershocks, countershocks the doubt and fear that you may encounter when you're in new spaces and, and experiencing new things. You know, we all need words that can remind us of how dope we are. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Crazy man, I love your energy. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's thank you. Thank it's, it's thank great. You. It's great. I'm glad. I'm glad I found you on Instagram. I'm glad. I'm like yes. Gotta... I'm glad we found each other. Thank yeah, you yeah, for yeah. Just your your tenacity. Yeah. It's staying on and being yeah. patient. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah. now working with Little Nas X, how did that come about? Um, I um got a call from Felicia Fant, who was at the time. Um, head of Black Music at Mm -hmm. um, Columbia Records, and they had a new artist um, that they really wanted to develop. Um, He had this song that had been, you know, kind of becoming this phenomenon, and it was Old Town Road, but he hadn't experienced any performances, and so they wanted to make sure that they gave him a winning shot, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was was being in this, uh, being in, in, studio with me and and giving him um an arsenal of things he could pull from um on any stage he embarked upon you know that was my job you know help him also to help him um understand that um his story counted mm-hmm. um and and to truly give him even more p- permission 
to be everything that he was created to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy because yeah. I saw him live on Summer Jam and I was working Summer Jam as a photographer uh-huh. and he brought out Billy Cyrus and for Old Town Road Remix. And it's just, he controlled that stage and then he brought out Cardi B, but the eyes mm-hmm. were still on him because he had so yeah. much. And now that I found you and I'm looking, thinking back, I'm like, that's got to be KJ. That's got to be <laughs> KJ's doing. Cause I'm, that so man- proud. I'm proud of him. I don't think um, I've worked on um, Summer Jam, but you know, we worked together for two and a half years. Right. Yeah. You know, so um, he has grown, you know, through the rose effect. And it's almost like my, you know, from a proverbial standpoint, like my baby has gone off to college, you yeah. know, and, yeah. um, and you've got to let them go to, yeah. to recognize their own growth, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm just glad that I had the opportunity to um, just be a part of his journey and to mm-hmm. prepare him to never um, relent, you yeah. know, to always move as a force um, yeah. and, and just kind of embrace everything that is mm-hmm. inherently Montero. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I am grateful, forever grateful for us having that time together. And yeah. I watched like a proud aunt, um, him now annihilate um, the stages because I know that the work that we've done will stay with him, mm-hmm. you know, forever. That's crazy. And you mentioned another and legend. You mentioned, you, uh, you mentioned Felicia Fant, which is another legend in, in, in her own yes. world. So again, yes. it's the fortunate, uh, some, the universe is like, KJ, I'm going to put you in this place and this place and this place. Mm-hmm. And then you just take control, yep. which is amazing to yep. see, you know, so truly blessed. I, I love that. I love that. And then one other legend that you worked with was Kelly Rowland, uh-huh. the Chasing Destiny. Yeah. Yes. Kelly Rowland. How was that? That was awesome. So awesome. She um, just has such a kind and genuine spirit. Um, I remember just that day, I talk about it in the book, um, how that day started off with my car breaking down um, mm. in front of, of Common's house. And, um, you know, being with uh, a friend, Lauren, who is a notable um, chef um, and we were both like, okay, well, um, let's kind of leave the car. And and I think I had a date waiting for me. And I was like, I'll come back to the car. I'll make it happen. And I remember when I sat um, at the rest, when I got to the restaurant, um, I got a call that said, um, uh, I think it was like no caller ID. Like I couldn't, there was a, it was mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And so you know, I only had 2% on my phone. So I was like, well, I can't answer that. I don't know what that is. So, you know, my car was down and my phone was down at the same time. And so then I get um, a text from Frank Gatson, Mm -hmm. who is the creative director for everyone, you know, from Beyonce to Kelly to Mm -hmm. Destiny's Child to Tyrese to, um, uh, yeah, I can go on and on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a notable name for sure. Yeah. And so he was like, can you come meet Kelly? Now, you know, I think a lot of times people think that these moments just happen, but please note that I had been emailing and texting um, both Frank Gatson and Stephen Hill for months once I saw that Chasing Destiny was in the trades and going to be coming out as a docuseries. Mm. I knew that I was supposed to be there. So it is the visualization most times. I stayed on them. I I just was persistent in saying, hey, just checking in. You know, I think I could be of use to you guys on here. And and then finally, you know, Frank is like, hey, can you come meet Kelly? Do you think after all that work, I was going to let my car stop me? I was like, oh, no. So yeah. I told the guy, I was like, hey, I need to get your phone because I need to call this number. And then I need to call AAA and then I need to get back to my car. And then I was like, you good? And he was like, I got you. And so I remember um, calling Frank and he said, you know, can you be here in an hour? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he didn't need to know all of my excuses, but we made it happen. And I walked in and and I talked to Kelly for a minute and and during kind of that entire um, my entire time there at one point, 
she introduced me. I was like, okay, this is KJ. She's a performance coach, her and Frank. And they were like, all right, KJ, take it away. Now, that is the very daunting moment to not know <laughs> what you're fully walking into and now find yourself. I was like, oh my God, but I was ready because of the mm-hmm. repetition, because of the hours that I'd already put in. If, if you're going to go after an assignment or something you believe that you should be called to do, then in tandem, you should be doing the work with the expectation that they will call. So you got to be ready. Mm-hmm. And so after that, Kelly was like, okay, I can use this for myself. And Frank was like, okay, you do know what you're talking about. And um, and that was kind of like how that all came Again, to fruition. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I, I, yeah. Came across, I came across like that when I interviewed the artist Moby. Um, okay. and I kept, and I kept the persistency of emailing, even though like I did with you, like, yeah. Hey, just checking in yeah. da, 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 da. and I was on the, and I was on the way to a photo shoot and then his PR team hit me up and was like, Hey, can you do it in an hour? And I was like, mm, photo shoot or yeah. movie that I've been chasing for months, photo shoot or right. movie, right. photo shoot. And I was like, Hey, can we do the photo shoot in like two hours or something like that? And thankfully they were, you know, they're like, you know what? We could do it tomorrow if you want. I was like, okay. And then I just like, back home. Right. Boom. And it's like, because you don't want to miss it because Moby, you know, it's Moby. So it's like, you never know when the next, you know. So it's like, last minute opportunities you just got to take because you never know, especially since you worked so hard to like get in it. It took took months and months and months and months. It's like, you know what? I can do it. And then so. You got to be persistent. Persistency is key in this industry. Uncomfortability yeah. and persistency is the number one winner. Yep. In the game. Agreed. That's, that's how yep. I look at it. So, and it's it's knowing knowing what you're getting yourself into. And you said like you don't know what you're walking into. So, but your 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 tenacity, your experience is like I know exactly how to spin this. And it yep. worked. So it's, yeah. it's great. It's, it's, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, now, towards the end of the podcast, I have these 10 rapid questions I got from Inside the Actor Studios as I oh, honor geez. the host, James Lipton. Um, okay. And the first question is, what is your favorite word? Energy. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I can I have two? Jesus, energy. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Can't. What turns you on in life? Um, uh, love. Mm. What turns you off in life? Injustices. Mm-hmm. What sound or noise do you love? Music. Yeah, I was. I, I, that was gonna be my. I was like, it's gotta be music. Gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, mm, what sound or noise do I hate? Um, police sounds. Mm, there you go. Uh, what is your favorite curse word? Damn. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, what profession other than my own would I like to attempt? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I feel like as a performance coach, I'll say I'd like to attempt more acting. Mm, okay. Okay. You're like the 10th or 11th person that would love to attempt that. Yeah. Uh, what profession would you not like to do um what wouldn't i like to do um i would not like to be a funeral coordinator so like an undertaker almost uh i don't know not an undertaker what what whoever has to um, facilitate the yeah well, facilitate the arrangements. Yeah, I don't think I yeah. 
Um, but I, I give respect to those that, that mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because this one, the next question is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Job well done. Mm-hmm. Any last words you'd like to do with people? Any shout outs? And where can he follow you on the socials? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to just say thank you to, because nobody rises on their own. And so a lot of times <clears throat> what looks like someone just arrived are years of work um, and and many, many people there um, providing the lift and, um, and so I just want to thank those who have genuinely believed um, and had my back and also thank those who didn't understand but didn't stop me either. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find me on IG at uh, KJ Rose Effect. You can find the same on Twitter um, and uh, Facebook, Kiana KJ Rose Henson and uh, LinkedIn KJ Rose. And I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy, overwhelming schedule to do this podcast. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that, uh, which which is amazing. And your story, really, I'm going to go back to my title right now. I'm just going to just do my hip hop like, okay, where can I find KG Rose on this? Where can I do KG Rose? So I'm just going to be like, that's KG right there. So it's prop. So, yeah, and it's it's midnight over here, but I don't care. It's like you get again, you just woke me up. So it's yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm up, I'm up. So, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, so thank you so much for that. And uh, thank you, Vern. thank you for having me. I truly appreciate you choosing yeah. me to highlight and, mm-hmm. and appreciate the months of scheduling that you mm-hmm. have endured. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Again, you're a busy, busy, busy lady, which is an amazing thing. Cause it's good to stay busy. It keeps your mind sharp. You yeah. know what I mean? Amen. So, but, Amen. um, until Um, the next time my friend yep yep all right guys this is another episode of intuitive minds podcast peace